morning again. It's good to see you. Uh, just turn to your neighbor and say, you look really amazing today. Okay? Make them feel good. You know, even if it's not true, let's just be, let's just, uh, let's just, let's just fill them with encouragement. Just joking. Good to see you. Uh, you can turn to your Bibles, if you'd like, this morning to the book of Ruth, chapter 2, this today, and, and I'm going to continue on uh, the path that we were on last week. Uh, and we're speaking from Ruth chapter 2 because Ruth chapter 2 contains a principle that is, uh, it, it's very, it's, it's not just strategic in our lives, but it actually is a representation of something that happens in our heart. And the, the topic today is overflow. Thank you for tuning in to the Pearl Church Podcast. Today, Pastor Doug is speaking on living in the overflow. In Ruth chapter 2, we can see that Ruth's overflow came from the position of her heart, not the size of her bank account. When her heart is right, the rest will follow. God is a refuge from the storm, a supplier of all our needs, and He redeemed us from the state that we were in. In this message, we join Ruth as she moves from famine to overflow and as she clings to the things of God. For more information about the Pearl Church in Denver, Colorado, you can go to thepearlchurch.org. Now, here's Pastor Doug with Living in the Overflow, Part 2. Who is, who is in control of the world. And he's moving things towards his purposes. Ruth just, as it happened, came across a field. As it just, it just so happened. It belonged to Boaz. It just so happened. Of all the fields, Boaz just happened to be in the lineage of of Christ. And, and there, there is a just so happened attitude that God's people need to have. Yeah, that's good. Uh, and uh, hear me on this. There is a position and a world where we believe that God is so in control of our lives that good things are about to happen. Wow. Ladies and gentlemen, check it out. Good things are about to happen. Yeah. Yeah. Turn to your neighbor. Turn to your neighbor. And just say, good things are about to happen. No, 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 no. Uh-uh. No. That's like, say, that's like, that's like, you know. Like, I heard, well, I'm not going to say who it was. One person over here sounded like, like Eeyore. You guys know who Eeyore, Eeyore is? Well. Not gonna, I'm not going to look that direction. Well. Good things are about to happen. You ever, you ever, you ever watch those cartoons and like Eeyore, Eeyore actually was a great character of faith. Eeyore, it didn't matter what happened to the guy. You know what I mean? You ever see the episode where they like blew, where they blew his house down, his little teepee house with sticks and he just walked up and he goes, well, my house is gone. (laughs) You know, you'd think he was the most depressed cartoon character in history, but he goes, Guess I'll just have to build another one. Everyone else is freaking out, and Eeyore just goes and starts to get sticks. Turn to your neighbor, turn to the other neighbor, and say it with some joy. Good things are about to happen. Okay, now do thank you. Come on. Now let's give Jesus a big round of applause because we believe it. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Don't think that I'm giving you some kind of positive thinking, positive momentum, uh, late night, four in the morning videotape, 
you know, do these four things and you can be successful. Look at yourself in the mirror every day and say you're beautiful and it'll make you a better person. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that we serve a God who is above and beyond all of the thoughts and control of man and his efforts. He is the man above the man. He is the man. And he is in control. And when we adapt the mentality that he cares about us, that he loves us, and that he owns the cattle on a thousand hill, he knows where we are, and, and he wants to use you for his purposes, then all of a sudden we wake up one day, and it doesn't matter if we're in famine or if we're having a fear we can honestly say through the sovereignty of God that good things are about to happen. Yes. Ruth, you, well, wait a minute. You were married. You lost your husband. Now you're standing on the street corner weeping, clinging to Naomi. And now you're going to find yourself in a field and you can't even look for, for grain with the workers or the women that follow the workers to help pick up the grain that they missed. You have to pick up the grain behind the women who pick up the grain that they missed. And hopefully you will find enough to make some bread. How can you say that good things are about to happen? Overflow takes faithfulness and not just faith. In the story... When, when Ruth finds the field, she goes early in the morning. She stays all day and takes only one little tiny break. When Boaz shows up, he goes, who is the woman? Now, keep in mind, this woman, it, it, she's easy to spot because she's not with all the men. She's not with all the women. She's by herself in the field that was already gleaned from. Who is that? And the worker said, well, she's been here from morning till night, and she's never taken a break except for one little small moment, just one little tiny break. You'll notice that he did not say, uh, that's the woman related to Naomi, and she's stealing from you. She's in your field. That's the woman, that's the one that, uh, honestly, she's not even from around here. She was tagging along with Naomi, and we need to deal with this. What was it that he noticed about her? That she had been there from morning until night, with one break. He was noticing her work ethic. Her work ethic spoke so strongly to him that that's what he mentioned. Who does she belong to? Well, she's the Moabite who came back from Moab with Naomi. Let her glean and gather among the sheep. She came into the field and has remained here from morning until now, except for a short rest in the shelter. Sometimes, we need to remember that faithfulness, at, the, at minimum, faithfulness and faith are brothers. Let me give you something here. Let me, let me just let me throw this at you. Four quick things. Overflow initiative. Sometimes to be in the overflow, it takes some initiative. Four things. Uh, number one, or letter A, you have to cling to the principles of godly stewardship. One of the one of the initiatives that we have to take is that internal recalibrating towards uh, the principles of stewardship, the revelation and the belief that what we have does not belong to us, that everything is a gift from God. The shoes on your feet, the home you live in, 
the children you have, the car you drive, that everything is a gift from God. And we recalibrate ourselves out of a worldly system into a godly system. And we say, we are stewards of everything. We're owners of nothing. Therefore, what does the owner want to do with what he owns? And that's when you begin to leave those almost petty discussions about the tithe. Have you ever discussed something that was almost so petty it kind of blew up and it became something bigger than it should be? You know what I think some people's problem with the tithe is? The problem with the tithe is, is that they want to argue about the tithe because the last thing they want to do is pray to God and ask God what they should sow. Don't ask the owner because the owner might say, uh, just put everything in. And I'm, I'm hesitating to tell you the story, but since I just said I was hesitating, I'm going to tell you. I want no names. A couple of weeks ago, uh, a young couple with a, a business, uh, um, the Lord just spoke to them in the service. He said, write a check. Empty your, empty your bank account every time. Put it in there right now. You know that they didn't even hesitate. And you know that they're fairly new in the Lord. But when Jesus, when you're dealing with the owner, all the other people around that have opinions, they kind of don't mean as much. That's the great thing about new converts. They really don't care about what you have to say. You know what they care about? Jesus. People who are having a re-fired up you know, moment with the Lord. Puts everything in. A couple of days later, gets a phone call from someone and says, you know what? I'm going to give you a very lucrative business out of nowhere family member said, you know what? It's yours. Take it. We're done. Time to retire. Here it is. And I think they're still in shock because they sowed and the owner said, sow it. And then the owner came back around two days later and blessed them above and beyond all they could ask or think, pressed down, shaken together, running out over into their lap, into the overflow. Now, I'm not asking you to empty your bank account. <laughs> I seem mine. Um, what I'm trying to say is, is that, that we serve a God who's in charge. And it's a recognition that he is the owner. The second one, consistency. Consistently work on and make decisions that will lead to a debt-free lifestyle. One of the most difficult things for Americans to believe that they can be debt-free. I believe that you can be debt-free. I believe that once you are debt-free, I believe that God will then give you a revelation of what you're supposed to do with the money and the resource that he gives you. My prayer is that you live a debt-free lifestyle. Our church is debt-free. You need to know that. I actually just, we've been doing studies. I have a whole list of uh, uh, 1,500 churches that were surveyed of all different, all different sizes. And at some point, I'll put these on the screen for you in the next few weeks. But uh, the percentage of churches that are debt-free with this size of a congregation, this size of a budget, you know, it would be a very small percentage that are debt-free. It would be like 15%. So 70-something percent of those churches will have a certain amount of debt. For our church, it'd be around a half a million dollars. I have, a, I have an announcement, and this is, a, this is a godly thing for me to say. We don't have a half a million dollars debt. You know how much debt we have? Zero. Yeah. Zero. Yeah. And, and maybe you're saying, well, that's because we don't have a building. Well, yeah, that's true. But there's all kinds of debt. There's good debt and bad debt. Churches who can't get out of debt. The American church bank account looks like the American family bank account. And we're not, we're not going to go there. 
We're going to exercise stewardship and we're going to lead a debt-free lifestyle so that when God puts us in the overflow, we can use it for the kingdom. Uh, Number three, trust God with the tithe and sow seeds and special offerings, increasing your measure of use, leading to a larger return. We've already talked about that. And the last one, save and invest wisely. So overflow initiative is these four things. I can't go into them today, but you, you know them. It's, it's an adjustment. It's a recalibration of our, the way we think about money. Overflow is preceded by peace. I'm going to go very quickly here. It's preceded by peace. So Boaz said to Ruth, my daughter, listen to me. Don't go glean in another field and don't go away from here, but stay here with the women who work for me. Watch the field where the men are harvesting and follow along after the women. I have told the men not to lay a hand on you because, by the way, this was a very real concern that the men uh, who worked for Boaz may harm her or take advantage of her. And whenever you are thirsty, go and get a drink from the water jars that the men have filled. So here she is drinking from the water jars that the men have filled where the other women can't even drink. Now she's drinking from their jars. And she's gleaning in their field. Sometimes overflow is not about the financial peace. It's about peace, period. Sometimes in our lives, we go through times where there's just no peace. Has anybody had a moment where life is upside down, job's not right, family's not right, there's drama going on, you know, and it's like, it's like no one else in your family adopted the no drama policy but you. And uh, they just didn't read the memo about no drama. And you wake up one day and you don't have enough money, your kid's got to go to school, the house, there's issues, and you're sitting there and there's no peace and you live in that constant state where your stomach, your gut is just in a knot and you don't know what's going to happen, you don't know how it's going to work. Listen to me. The peace of God that surpasses all understanding will make your ways straight, will give your bones strength, this is the Psalms, and will fill your storehouse with plenty. It doesn't say that that your hard work will fill your storehouse with plenty. It says the peace will, the peace of God. Because if you don't have the peace, everything else is going to be out of of whack. You don't know what to do. You don't know what decision to make. but, But when the owner comes and says, just relax. And now I want you to actually drink from the water jugs that the men drink from. You do? Yeah. Oh, okay. I mean, is that a problem? Probably. Your peace will always be a problem for somebody with it who doesn't have it. Your peace might be the biggest, greatest testimony that you have. When you're standing on a corner, you've clung to your Naomi. You're in the middle of a field. You have nothing to eat, nothing to drink. And the owner comes along and says, hey, I want you to just relax. I want you to drink from the jugs and I want you to have peace. Now she has the approval of the owner. This is New Testament symbolism. You have the approval of the owner. And you need to have peace. I love that she began to drink from the owner's water. And then she realized that she had found a refuge. When the peace comes, you realize that you've entered into something that you weren't in before. 
And overflow, as you work through it, you begin to realize, wait a minute, I'm entering into a realm regardless of my condition. Remember, because overflow is not about what you have, it's about what's waiting for you. You have entered into something, a refuge, a place. And my prayer for some of you today is that the refuge of God, that the refuge of the Holy Spirit gives you peace. That you realize that you have entered into something that maybe you weren't in before. Maybe you didn't understand before. But God's hand is so strong upon your life and your circumstances that you, you have a refuge. You have a place to go. I love that, that what, what Ruth was experiencing was not just a little new provision, but it was a new refuge. Because if you have provision but no refuge, the provision won't feel, it won't look, it won't be as, as special when it comes. You need to understand you haven't just been provided for financially or in a resource, but God's given you refuge. He's given you peace. Overflow is measure, measured in context, not in content. At mealtime, Boaz said to her, come over here, have some bread, dip it in the, in the wine vinegar. And when she sat down with the harvesters, he offered her some roasted grain. She ate all she wanted and had some left over. Now look what's just happened. For the first time in her journey, the owner who's given her refuge that she just happened to stumble upon his field, it just so happened, all of a sudden now the owner says, I want you to eat all that you can eat. And she had some what? Say it. Leftover. She has now gone from the corner, widow, clinging to Naomi, and her first leftover was a little grain that she would take home to her mother-in-law. She's now moved from empty to overflow. But it may not look like overflow. You know, it's a, you just have a little bit. Hey, when you've been in debt for five, 10 years of your life and you wake up one morning and your bank account is in the black by $50, time to shout. Because <laughs> good things are coming to you. Time to shout, time to clap, because I'm in the overflow. Amen. Wait a minute, you, you, all you had was a little grain left over for your mother. That's overflow. Overflow was an ownership decision. And she got up to glean, Boaz gave orders to his men. Now look what's going down. The owner is now giving instruction to the people that are now going to have an influence and an impact on her life. And he's telling them now to change what they do so that she can move forward into overflow. Now the owner is redirecting the people that she is in contact with. I have faith. God in our lives redirects the people that we deal with on a daily basis so that we can be a testimony for his kingdom and for his glory. Pray for your boss. Pray for the people you know. Pray for family members. Pray for people in the neighborhood. God is working on your behalf even though you don't know it. She didn't know that he had a discussion. Let her gather among the sheaves and don't reprimand her. And overflow. Check it out. Even pull out some stocks for her from the bundles and leave them on the ground for her to pick up and don't say anything. Oh, I'm sorry. What, what did you say? What I want you to do is do everything you've been doing, but when no one's looking, I want you to start dropping stock on the ground. Drop some grain. 
you, you want us to not hurt her. Don't hurt her. You want us to let her drink from my water jug, your water jug. And now you want us to work and for us to start leaving grain when no one's looking for her to pick up. And what do you think Ruth was thinking when she went back to the same field? Because here's the men, here's the women, and here's where she's been gleaning all day, and now there's nothing. And now Ruth is just going along doing the same thing she did before. And she's like, what? Where'd this come from? What's going on? What's the stock? You know, she has no idea he's had a discussion. God's having discussions. He is, he is working on your behalf. And the place, the same place that represented your famine will now represent your overflow. You will harvest where you were starving. You will find something where there was nothing. You won't understand it because it'll be the same place. It'll be the same position. It'll be the same thing that you've been doing day after day, year after year perhaps. But when you go back, there will be something there that was not there before because the owner has been having a discussion. And so the context, the context was the same, but now the content had changed. Overflow is to be shared. And so Ruth gleaned in the field until evening. And then she threshed the barley she had gathered. And it amounted to about an, an ephah. And she carried it back to town. And her mother-in-law saw how much she had gathered. Ruth also, now, now, now watch this. Ruth also brought out and gave her what she had what? Say it. Say it again. Ruth had brought and given her what she had. Okay, we're not passionate about this yet. Um, I'm going to read it. Ruth also brought out. Hallelujah. Amen. I can't start. I can't wait to start bringing out the overflow. Ruth also brought out and gave her what she had. After she had eaten enough. Now, her mother-in-law is the recipient of overflow. The recipient of overflow. Now, she has enough to bless, to give, to feed. And Ruth has now found refuge. She's now in a, in a world that she's never understood. And she realized that something has just taken over. One day, just everything's changed. Everything, something's taken over. There's a process in my heart. I've responded right. Everything just seems to be happening. She's like, you're not going to believe. I was in the field. There was nothing there. I went and drank some water out of this guy's jug. He got really angry. And the owner said, don't touch her. Just let her have all she wants. I went back to the same field after lunch. And it was full of like, they're the worst workers ever. <laughs> like he needs to hire new workers because they're dropping grain everywhere. No, she had entered into the, to the overflow and she recognized who the owner was. And one more, overflow is the nature of redemption. It is. It is the nature of redemption to be redeemed, to have your sins paid for, to have a new purpose, a new life, a new future, a new way of living, a new way of thinking, uh, a reason for living, a people that you're called to, that you're ministered to. 
Her mother-in-law asked her, where did you glean? She couldn't believe it. Well, blessed is the man who took notice of you. And Ruth told her mother-in-law about the one who, whose place she had been working. And the name of the man I worked with today is Boaz, she said. And the Lord bless him, Naomi said to her daughter-in-law. He has not stopped showing his kindness to the living and to the dead. And she added, this man is our close relative. He is one of our guardian redeemers. Another word for this is a kinsman redeemer. When you lost your, when you lost your husband and you had lands and you had family, a relative could come and sit down with everybody and a relative could redeem that person to save them from being destitute. If they redeemed, they redeemed, they got the land, but they also received the family and they were responsible for the family. And it was an interesting tradition. They'd go out and sit in front of the, the gate and uh, the, the, the way that you would seal a deal at that time was you would take off your shoe and you would hand it to the other person and you can read it, it's in the story. But Boaz becomes her kinsman redeemer. He redeemed her life redeemed her family, and redeemed her resources. Jesus is our kinsman redeemer. He redeems our life. He redeems those that we love and that we're praying for. And he redeems our resources because he is the owner and the supplier of all of our needs. 